This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and a very warm welcome to a special recording of our second Blood Red Live event that took place at the Baltic Market in Liverpool on Wednesday. Hosted by Neil Fitzmaurice, the sold-out show featured our own Liverpool FC correspondent James Pearce, Paul Machen of Redmen TV and singer-songwriter Jamie Webster. The first half of the recording sees Fitzy in conversation with James, Paul and Jamie. You'll then hear highlights from the first of two sets that Jamie played before the panel take questions submitted online and from the 150 Reds fans who were there on the night. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. First and foremost, we're going to bring on a chap you all probably know about. He's the kind of eyes and ears through the Liverpool Echo of Liverpool Football Club. He knows virtually everything you need to know about them. He's got the inside access to the team all the time. So please give a big round of applause to the Chief Correspondent for Liverpool FC for the Liverpool Echo, Mr James Pearce. Thank you, James. How are you, pal? Good to see you, mate. Sit down. Yeah, I'm good. We'll have a few, ch- we'll have a little chat with James, and then bring others on in just a sec. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good. Oh, I'm sure I speak for everyone in the room at the moment when we say that we couldn't really have expected the season to have gone as well as it's been going at the moment. And it's 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 a weird thing we're in at the moment where every week is we're glad of where we are, but then the expectation takes over, doesn't it? Um, how do you feel Liverpool are going to push on now? And how do you feel yourself? What is the feeling at Anfield about how the season's been going so far? Well, it's, it's been an absolute joy to watch and report on so far. I think, um, you know, if you went back to August, if anyone offered you this position, then, you know, you'd have, you'd have absolutely taken it. Um, you know, you think people were talking about this Man City team being one of the greatest Premier League squads that had ever been assembled. And we're in, what, middle of February and Liverpool are in a better position than them. You know, I wouldn't swap Liverpool's position for any, anyone. Um, I think last weekend felt massive in terms of not just the win, but that performance against Bournemouth. Because, you know, probably like anyone else, I was genuinely worried after the, the, the dip in performance levels, after the turn of the year, really, because, yeah, Liverpool won a few games, but without being particularly convincing. And you think, you can't sustain that. You can't... I know we talk about, oh, that's the mark of champions, grinding out a win when you're not playing well. But you can't keep on playing poorly and winning. You know, you, it has to click back into gear. And last weekend felt like a, you know, like, a, like a weight lifted off everyone's shoulders to see Liverpool playing with a fluency that we probably hadn't seen since we, we thrashed Arsenal back in December. Yeah, it's about momentum, isn't it? And I think one of the key things for me, certainly with the Bournemouth game, because City have started this momentum and because we had the... F- the draws with, with, um, with Leicester and West Ham. I think a key figure now, and, we, and we've mentioned this in the podcast, in, the, in previous podcasts, we paid £52 million for Naby Keita and we were all just, because of our expectation of what we knew he could do, I think when he came, it was, it was difficult because he had to be thrown straight in, didn't he? And I don't think it's what Klopp likes to do. But it was, it was, a, it was a real, it really lifted me to see his performance in that middle three. With Ginny and I think because I think he needs someone behind him to mop up, doesn't he? So it's it's really encouraging at this stage in the season now to see Naby Keita hopefully getting into his stride. Yeah, it, it felt like a, a huge step forward for Keita, didn't it? I think um, it's been a pretty rough first season for him at Liverpool. I think probably not a big surprise in terms of 
I mean, he, was, he only turned 24 last weekend, still a relatively inexperienced young player moving to a new country. He doesn't speak the language. You know, he, I think he struggled a bit with that, which I don't think that helps the, the settling in period as well when you, you, know, you can't you know, speak to your teammates properly and, and all the rest of it. And he's, he's had some real bad luck along the way as well. With, you know, he's had injuries that have hampered his progress. He hasn't really had a proper run in the team. I think, I think last weekend was the first time he started four games in a row. So um, it was interesting listening to Klopp after the game on Saturday. And he, he said that for him, Cater was one of the first names on the team sheet against Bournemouth. And he, and he kind of was asked to explain, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, because I saw such promising signs in that second half against West Ham, he said, you know, that he had to be given another chance because, you know, he, he almost felt like he had to let him play through this kind of difficult period. I mean, he made loads of mistakes against West Ham, you know, off the ball, he, you know, he let runners go, you know, he, his decision-making was pretty bad with the ball, but there were signs in that game he was coming good, and then I think you've got to give Klopp a lot of credit in terms of the way that he's managed him, and, you know, not many managers, I think, in that position would have thought you can let a player play through a tough period when Liverpool are playing for what they're playing for at the moment, but um, I think we saw, for the probably for the the first time since August, we saw what, what Cater can give to this Liverpool team. And um, confidence is such a big factor, isn't it, in, in football? And I think we, we could see at the weekend, you know, the, the pass he played in the build-up to the third goal, where, you know, f- to Firmino, I, I don't think he'd have even played that pass the week before. I think it was just he was growing and growing into the game. And, um, yeah, he could, be, he could be massive. I mean, he could, he could be the difference between Liverpool winning the league and not winning the league between now and May because if he now is able to build on that and really use that as a, as a platform, then you know, hopefully we'll be seeing the Naby Keita that we all had seen in all those YouTube clips before he turned up at Anfield. He's the last key, really, isn't he? Because I think Fabinho, was, uh, he, was, he was sort of nurtured in and he started to play really well. He started to be one of the players where you can really see the value of what Fabinho's going to bring. Well, how much have we missed Ginny Wijnaldum? Because, uh, do you agree with that? I think it's, he's one of those players, Ginny, isn't he, that I used to always say about uh, Didi Haman. He never really appreciated Didi Haman until he was injured. And then you thought, oh, I, that's what he does, that's what he brings. And I think we've missed Wijnaldum because he just keeps that, he keeps that strength in midfield. So I think going forward, that, that, that middle three could really kick us on for the rest of the season. Yeah, spot on. I think... With, with, with Wijnaldum, I think he's one of those players who is he, never less than a 7 out of 10, is he? He's just, this season, he's been an absolute model of consistency and he's just such a versatile footballer, isn't he? I think he's a manager's dream to work with. I think, you know, you, I'm sure people have seen his quotes from after the weekend and he, he had no right to even be on the field against Bournemouth, yeah. let alone be the best player on the pitch because, you know, he hadn't, he hadn't even stayed in the team hotel because he had, he'd been taking tablets for his knee that had, that had ruled him out of the West Ham game. Those tablets had then made him sick. Um, he has what we technically call the wildies. <laughs> he, he did, he did. And he was he even... Please he, excuse my son from school, he's got the wildies. Yeah, go on. <laughs> and he was, he was saying that he was, he was happy that anyone to hear the halftime whistle because he, he really did have to run off and, and, <laughs> and visit, visit the little boys' room. Um, but no, he's, he, he is, he's an absolute class act, Jeannie Wijnaldum. I think... You know, like most people, when Liverpool signed him, I'd, I'd seen him play for Newcastle, and you think, yeah, he quite, a, you know, he was he was a decent attacking player for them. But certainly, when you'd watched him play, I thought he was one of those players who you wait for him. To, you know, he waits to receive the ball, and then you make looks to make something happen. And Klopp has seen something else in him, and you know, played him almost 
15, 20 yards deeper. And, and he's, a, just, he's just such a vital cog in that clock team in terms yeah. of the link between midfield and attack and just a very unselfish team player. And, um, you know, you speak to the coaching staff there and they just say he's one of those players who, whatever role you give him to do, he'll go and do it. You know, he will, he, he's, he's such an intelligent footballer. He can take on board things that he doesn't usually do and he'll, you know, you'd never be able to guess he's not done it before. And um, it was interesting at the weekend, actually Klopp played him further forward. You know, I think he, certainly in the first half, he was the more advanced yeah. of the three. And, um, you know, he, the one criticism you probably have him, if he doesn't score enough goals, he doesn't have an effect enough in the final third. Because when you see him take a goal, like he took that goal on Saturday, it kind of makes you think, well, how, how would he not... He scored, there's a stat like he scored more goals for his international club than he has for his home team. Yeah, yeah, is... I mean, the Netherlands sometimes play him as a number 10. Yeah. Like, you know, they, they value him that highly in terms of his ability to, to you know, to, to break down a, a stubborn defence. So, um, yeah, he's, you know, obviously, you know, you'd be looking at Van Dijk and Salah in terms of Player of the Year nominees, but you know after that, I don't think you'd have Genie Wijnaldum far behind them. No, absolutely not. We're going to ask some James. We've got some of your questions here. We're going to ask James some questions in just a bit as well, and try and get to the bare bones of. We're not because it's a great question about all the secrets. <laughs> I, ask you I forgot to actually mention the last time I brought James on, uh, and we made a little joke about it on the podcast. I went on Wikipedia to find out a bit about him, <laughs> and I introduced him as someone who well, you'd, you'd been you'd commentated on eight Olympics. I should have done the maths really. It's thirty odd years. Turns out Wikipedia talk a load of shite. I didn't know. <laughs> so I brought him on as somebody who'd commented on the last, commentated on the last eight Olympics and scored, and scored the first goal in the new Wembley. But this is another guy called James Pearce, isn't it? <laughs> it's a different one. It's a different James Pearce. We're happy with our James Pearce. Give it up for James Pearce for now. Thanks, James. Sit back. Okay, I'm going to bring in our next guest. As I say, there's lots of questions for all three of them as well. I'm going to bring in our next guest for this evening. This is a guy uh, who, when he first started his business and his company, uh, I did one of his first interviews on an owl rickety second-hand sofa, didn't I, mate? Uh, he's gone on to great things now. He's, uh, he has a lot of access to Liverpool Football Club. And he's a real great story of how a business can really grow and, uh, and, uh, with ambition and, uh, and talent as well. Please welcome from Redmen TV, Paul Machen. Keep the applause going till he gets up the stairs. That's what happens when I do stand-up. They start applauding and they get about five foot away and they all stop. It's a nightmare. Uh, nice to meet you, mate. Yo, how are you, sir? Good to see you, Pat. Yes, very good, good. Very good indeed. Uh, thank you. Welcome oh, sorry, to I was told to bring some questions up for the, no, for the have people you been, have you, have I'm you loading been, the deck. You've been bullied into questions. <laughs> uh, you are the life. Tell us a bit about your journey, uh, Paul, how you started. Yeah. How you started with Redmen TV and where it is now? Yeah, so it goes back years and years and years. You know what? The lads I do it with or started it with, the lads I went to school with, we used to hang around, you know, go to the pub, watch the games, particularly during the Rafford era. And, you know, we'd sit around, as every, everyone does, sit around, you have a bevy and you chat shit about the Reds. No. And uh, it's basically now my job description. But, it's, um, but no, we thought, I thought, this is good, this. And like, everyone's had it. You should put this on TV, and um, and no one wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, we uh, we we went. I can't say fuck. That's right. Well, yeah, we um, we went on. We so we put it on YouTube, and then it it, it kind of grew from there. Yeah, and then obviously Neil Neil Fitzmorris and Diddy Man were the early guests in the back room of my house. Whatever um, happened to him? World Cup finalist. Um, use me bog. That's not not many people can say that. Um, but no, it, it went. The Kaiser in the Kazi. The Kaiser was in the Kazi. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, but no, it's, it's, man, it went from strength to strength. We always said, you know, if you do something that you love and you have fun doing it, then you trust that other people will do the same. And early on, people said, nah, no one will be into that. No one's going to care what you've got to say. And <laughs> still right, but uh, it's, uh, it was one of those, it was, a, it was a passion for us. And, you know, it went from being a, a pitch originally to LFC TV, which they knocked back. Um, can't imagine why. Um, and then it's, you know, again, it's just gone from strength to strength. It's been so, great. you know, you've got your own studios now. So Redman TV operates from their own facility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's frightening when you think where, where, where it's come from, as you say. It's second hand. You were on the casting couch back in the day. Um, yeah, best or less. Not the, the first time I've that. been on one of them, mate. The said about that, the best. Um, and yeah, we go, we went up, we went, we moved to the Dovedale Towers pub for a bit when we got out of ours and that we took a step up from, step up from there and then, yeah, we took, uh, took a bit of investment and, um, and moved up to our own place. You're saying there that you, when you started, you, you were in the Rafford era and, and of course, Rafford will always be fondly, fondly thought of by Liverpool fans, but what, what do you think the difference is between him and Klopp and how much has Klopp, how much has Klopp changed the club and changed the ambition of Liverpool Football Club in your eyes? I, I, I think Rafford reset the bar for what we expect from a Liverpool manager because if you remember the time when, when, when it, we, that job was coming up Alan Kerbishley was being linked with the Liverpool job you know what I mean and we're like oh Kerbishley oh he did a decent job he did a decent job at Charlton him, didn't he? Um, no 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 Rafa came in and there's a guy with the you know with the European experience of won La Liga and he, and he says that and I think Klopp's come in and just raised the bar even higher to be honest it's an extraordinary point a good point you're raising about Rafa that we forget as well about him but when you look back at Rafa when you look back at the signings that we on the Rafa, they're extraordinary, aren't they? Mascherano and Alonso and Pepe Reina. Hossamy. Mm, you know, just. <laughs> <laughs> For every Reina, there's a Hossamy, mate, you know what I mean? But, but that's, that, I think that was part of it. It was, that, it was part of the change of that regime, wasn't it? It was about. He knew where Liverpool were and he knew that he had to get the best in to, to get that job. Yeah, the, he, he was one of those managers who got Liverpool inside now it's in a completely different way to Klopp but he, he absolutely got it and we've seen other managers try and get it like Brendan Rodgers I think he understood what it was but I think it always felt like a box ticking exercise for him like he, he goes what do I need to be to be a Liverpool manager I think when you're known by the players as David Brent you think you've added haven't you <laughs> that documentary man um, but yeah you know, and then obviously Hodgson funnily you know it's Hodgson to his credit didn't give a fuck did he like you know what I mean he was him and, and no, you know what I mean he, and he never he never got it at all and then Jürgen's come in and him being him he's just he's just the most scouse non-scouser going isn't he? He, he you know he intrinsically gets what it is and what we you know we, uh, we feel a real kinship with him and he's one of those people as well who is to meet him, which was I got to do in the summer, is a genuine thrill. He is exactly like you think he's going to be, and some people are not. Some people are, you know, they've got a public persona, and then the massive bellends behind that. Um, um, <laughs> shooting down transfers. Um, the <laughs> But no, Jürgen's absolutely amazing, and that's why we that's why we love him, and that's why it, when people don't get it from outside, we go great because you don't get us either. Fair play. And what he's done with the club as well, what he's done, and again in a way that Rafa did as well, saw signings that we didn't really think. Maybe we thought, oh, that's an interesting one, like the Gini Wijnaldum, and playing him in a different position, but sees something, and his patience as well is interesting because you know the Virgil Van Dijk thing, we were all screaming for a centre back, and even I suppose you could say with the goalkeeper as well, he wants what he wants, and he. He doesn't really want second best, does he? Yeah, I mean, the amount of 
disputes on the internet that he's totally proven wrong. You know what I mean? Like, what's he doing? What's he buying a centre half? There's not many centre halves better than Lovren and Madam. You can get anyone. Go and buy a centre half. And then she finally goes, ah, right, okay, that's why we waited. That's why we paid 75 million. He knows what he's doing and he's going to put us all out of a job because ultimately, what, what we, we're going to get to a point where we just go, it's all right, Jürgen knows what he's doing. Join a couple of it's all right, Jürgen. Jürgen knows it more than I do. Sit back, everyone. It's going to be absolutely fine. And, you know, he's getting everything right at the moment. Just personally, on your, uh, uh, from, from, from Redman TV's point of view, how has it changed for you now, access-wise, to the ground? Are you, are you kind of... Do you have an affiliation now? Is there, is no, there... God, no, Jesus Christ. No, just like on a, on a tripod behind no, the wall. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, if, if, if by access means that they go, here's a footy shirt every now and again, like, which is nice, by the way. They cost a frigging fortune, don't they? Um, no, uh, not really. I mean, we get a, a couple of bits here and there. You know, we, I was lucky enough in the summer, I asked the question, but it was only off the back of... We, we were at the Player Awards, we were doing the red, the red carpet interviews, and yeah, can come out and said, I watch you. <laughs> you know, yeah, every bodily function that I had available to me activated at one, at one moment there. Um, but So I had that a little bit of like, any any chance, because Jürgen knows who we are, and yeah, so bits and pieces, but no. Um, we do what we do what we do and you know we get a little bit of moments and obviously uh, Jamie knows the moments we got invited to go and do a slot on stage at the um, fan park in uh, Kiev one of the greatest moments ever and I think what we're finding with the football club in a in an all-round sense is I think they're starting to get it um, they start to get it they, 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 they're understanding the culture they're understanding more and more the importance of the fans they know that the cop is and it, for example is not just a poster it's not a photo it's a living breathing thing and it requires people who genuinely get the club it requires uh, local fans not exclusively by the way because there's you know there's mad amazing Liverpool fans from all over the world but the heart of this football club is in this city and it should remain that way so you know we don't get any preferential treatment but so but it is nice that the the, the someone in there goes oh we quite like what these guys are doing and you know we'll we'll, we'll see what we can do to get to get involved all right excellent we're going to bring in our third guest on now just sit back and we'll ask a few questions as i say we'll pitch them to all all three for now paul mason give him a round of applause thank you paul You've already heard from our third and final guest there, and it's, uh, I want to hear his story as well, because it's a great story as well, very much synonymous with Liverpool fans. Please welcome back to the stage, Jamie Webster. Hello. Hello, son, you okay? I'm all right. So, you've done, you've Shevchenko Park stage, but now you're here. Yeah. You're, now you're in the Baltic market, mate, you've arrived. From rags to riches, eh? From rags to riches. <laughs> Tell us your story, mate, because it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, because, I mean, we've all seen YouTube stuff, we've all seen Twitter feed stuff of, of, of you singing in a bar in America with Jürgen Klopp. It's, for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the lad who's essentially just a Liverpool fan, what's the last 12 months been like? How did it start and how's the journey been for you? Well, I've been playing music around Liverpool match days for probably about five years, but it only started taking off, really, after a Mo Salah song last season and then... LA, 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 but they were both quite close to each other, I think, when, once they emerged onto the cop. But funny enough, I think someone said to me on the WhatsApp group a year ago today, we played Porto, and that was the first time I heard LA, LA, LA. So, from that, yeah, I've done a lot since then. But I don't think a song in recent years has, has, has made that much of a difference, has it? Than that, it's just went. Because I remember it, I remember before the City game last year in the in Champions League, yeah. and it was just terrifying, you could see it. 
you know, they've got their own one now. That's how bad it is. They sing one, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, get a fucking grip with you. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Ah, really embarrassing. Those that turn up sing it. Yeah. But, but it's made such an incredible difference, hasn't it, to, 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 to the... And it, what, what was interesting, before the Bournemouth game, there was a lot of stuff on social media saying, get behind a team. And I think it's a massive thing now for every home game because the atmosphere against Bournemouth was exceptional. And I think that song is a big part of it, but I think it's something that everyone needs to do for every home game, do as much as we can to try and put the Reds over the line. Well, when you look at it now, as far as I'm away, I'm concerned, you've got 12 games left, is that right? It, every, every one of them games has got to be bigger than Roma, City at home. Everyone's got to turn up. You can't be, you know, five minutes into the game, Keita plays a bag pass, you can't be, ah, get it, he's fucking checking you know. It's not worth it. It's, what, That's that it thing they're talking about, it transferring from, from the crowd to the players, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. If everyone's both... I mean, I know for myself from, from following Liverpool for the last... Eight, I've spent all my money on Liverpool for, since I've been 16 and had a job following them around Europe and England. And when... It, it does go hands in hands when the crowds are right up for it. You can see in them first five minutes the players have that extra spring in the step and there's a couple of chances early on and it makes so much of a difference. And like I say, it's... Just great that I've been able to be have a little part in what's gone on in the last 12 months. Just explain to us what happened because you ended up with this brilliant run. I know you've been singing for ages, you've been supporting the Reds for ages. It's not like they've plucked you out of obscurity. But this idea that you suddenly end up on a stage being supported by Job Power at the Shevchenko fans park must have just been like you must have been just pinching yourself. Yeah, well, it start, obviously it started. I heard the song in Porto when, when we went over there for the away leg. And um, the, I did the same night or the next morning, whichever way you want to look at it. Uh, my mate said to me... Uh, yeah, because no-one slept. <laughs> yeah, I, d I definitely didn't for the two days like that I was there. Yeah, that'll pay a grand to sleep uh, on some peasant's couch, won't it? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, so a few of the lads had woke up. I'd, I'd, I was there. And uh, he said, we had this video with this, this song, about 50 lads that we heard from the ground singing this song. And it was, it was a bit slow and jaded at the start when I heard it. So, ole, ole. And... I don't know, it didn't look like people were coming or going with it, but we've seen the words to it. And if anyone knows uh, Kenzie off Twitter, he's a miserable, miserable so-and-so, like, you know, but he turned around to me and said that morning, like, uh, you know, that song there could be like the Ring of Fire, for like it was in 05, at the end of every European game from here on in, the end of every league game, we need that song to be at the ground. He said, because I sort of had a little bit of a reputation as a Liverpool singer, songwriter, whatever, I just decided to get home and play it on the guitar and see, see if I could work something out to it. And it's the easiest thing I've ever done to tell you the truth. I'm still laughing at how easy it was now. But uh, I played it at the home game between Porto and Man United. And then I played it at the boss night that night after we beat, beat by Man United. And that's the video that done the rounds last year. And that's what eventually got us in touch with the club over Kiev, doing the Shevchenko Park, which obviously Paul was involved in as well, and the Anfield rap. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been since then. It's my career's like took a completely different trajectory. And you were telling me before we started tonight that you ended up getting a phone call to go to pre-season in America on the t with the team. Yeah, well, I was on holiday with me bird in Spain, and uh, I was sat there. That's his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. And but our overseas fans. Yeah, yeah. If anyone doesn't know what your bird is, it's your girlfriend. Yeah, significant other, should I say? Um, so we were sat there and my phone rang and it was Dan Nicholson who'd done the last Blood Red um, events. And he phoned me and said, listen, we've, we've been on. It was Tom Cassidy at the time. The, he's the head of tourism, I think, at Liverpool. Really nice fella. And 
he just said they, they want us on tour they want us to do basically Shevchenko Park all the way around America so I was are you sure like they, they, just, that's what they want and they were like yeah yeah so at first we thought maybe they'll give us a budget and say book your flights you need to be here on this day whatever didn't know anything about what was going to go and then we went in for a meeting turned up saying that we were flying with the players, staying with the players, you know, in and out of all the airports, like royalty, it was, it's how the other half live, you know what I mean, it was something else. And then, uh, I think the week later, we'd done a gig in Dublin, I was back in an Airbnb, <laughs> sharing a bed with someone. So, it was in a... Arrive in a limo, leaving a taxi, that's the old showbiz saying, isn't it? And then I think, I think we landed on a Sunday, Sunday morning, after like, being awake for probably 32 hours, beating Man United in Michigan and playing a gig. And I was back in work on site then on a Monday morning, so... Just yeah. hating the world. Yeah, what, hate, yeah. Explain to us what it was like. Did you know the clock was going to come in? I don't know whether you've seen it. There's famous footage of him. Well, he's doing... He's, you're singing in the pub and clock comes yeah. in, doesn't he? I think... I think maybe now, you know, it's, it's circulated that much, but I did actually know that he was coming in on, on that day. Like, uh, someone slipped up in the morning and told me he was coming in. I, they said, oh, you've got a guest tonight. And I went, oh, yeah, it's Jürgen, isn't it? Like, I was just taking the piss, you know what I mean? And she went... Who told you? And I said, well, you just have. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know she was sacked for that. Yeah, no, she's not. She's hopefully getting me involved in the tour again this year. So, yeah, lovely woman. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I knew he was coming in, but still, I didn't know how it was going to be. So, obviously, I think I was singing Ring of Fire, and I just heard this almighty scream, and I just turned around, and he sort of stood there pointing at me, and I thought, oh, this, I thought that was going to be it, and then I thought, oh, shit, he's coming over here, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know what I said to him at the time, but it was uh, probably had a swear word in it, and it probably yeah, I, I can't even remember. But I got a hug off him and everything. You know, I was you look at him giving them players the hugs after the match, and I don't you think I like a bit of that, me? And <laughs> I got a bit of it, you know what I mean? But yeah, that was a daily, daily good moment for me. Like and everything that's followed since, I'm just I feel lucky, you know what I mean? But I'm enjoying every minute of just it. Just enjoy every second of it, mate, yeah. isn't it? If we win the league, you'll have a double album. If we win the league, I'll probably... If we, if we win the league, I'll just end it all, because I won't... Put, we'll never be happier then that I won't be on that day, you know what I mean? Just before we start reading the questions out, that is the question on everyone's lips, isn't it? I'm going to do a straw poll now, right? Just hands in the air, the, the, the majority of... You're representing the fans here. Right on the nail, are we going to win the league? Would you say that was half the room or majority of the room? That's got to be the majority there. It's got to be the majority. Come on! <laughs> I tell you what, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we were talking in the bar before, at the bar before, and as it's going now, it just shows you how vital that game at the, at the Etihad was. Well, could end up being 11 millimetres that we never crossed that line. It could make such an incredible difference towards the end of the season but we have to remember as well that as you touched on before James we were 24 points behind this team at the end of last season and to know that we're still in the driving seat we win all our games we won the league we're, 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 we can be afforded one draw we've got one draw in us and we win the league well here's the interesting one because I was talking to Peter about it before who by a show of hands would take a draw at United No way. Shit. <laughs> we, will, we will absolutely tear them to pieces. Did you see them against PSG last night? They absolutely crumbled. Yeah, they crumbled. I think we're going to do them anyway, then. Take a draw, I think. 
Well, I will kill them. It is going to go to the wire. For now, we're going to get some questions. We'll give a round of applause to Jamie Webster for us, guys. Right. Saturdays we have to heal And it's up to the match I go I love to take a walk along the Anfield Road Me and me old pal Joe We love to see the lasses with the red scarves on We love to hear the cup bites roar But I don't have to tell you that the best of all We love to see the Liverpool score We're masters of the game And just to prove how good we are We'll do it once again We've got another team to beat And so we're gonna try Cos we're the best in all the land And that's the reason why We love you Liverpool We do We love you Liverpool We do We love you Liverpool We do Oh Liverpool We I like to go just like the rest, I like my sugar sweet. But jumpy cues and making haste just ain't my cup of meat. Everybody's beneath the trees, feeding pigeons on a limb. But when Quinn the Eskimo gets here, those pigeons gonna run to him. Come on without, come on within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Emlyn. Come on without, come on within. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Emlyn. You'll not see nothing like the mighty Emlyn. Outside the Paisley Gate, I heard a cop I call in. Paisley, they have taken you away But you let the great 11 Back in Rome in 77 Now the red men, they're still playing the same way All round the field of Anfield Road where once we watched the king, can he play? See the highway on the wing, we had dreams of songs to sing. On the glory round the field of Anfield Road. Wanted in Wembley, we wanted in Cape Party. 77 and 84, it was wrong. We won it five times. We won it five times in Istanbul. We won it five times. Stevie G's eyes lit up when he lifted the European cup. 21 years and now the carpet's coming back home. We won it five times. We won it five times. In Istanbul, we won it five times. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. There's a question for someone. It's uh, anonymous. 
Is Klopp in danger if no trophy this year? I can't even believe you. Who, who put that on? Who did that? She'll be ashamed of yourself. Mm. I mean, it's an interesting question, though, because in a sense, the, despite your Radio 5, five live phone-ins, which I'm convinced of Chelsea or Evertonians or Man United fans, I have heard a few this year going, Klopp hasn't got a clue. The thing is, statistically, he won't have won anything. But surely... There can't be any disparaging comments about Jürgen Klopp. Here's the thing. You could, we were in a situation early on in the season where we could have won every... We could have gone undefeated all season and finished second. Now, Liverpool, and it, we lose the context of this sometimes. Everyone's head's fallen off when we drew two games on the bounce and we lost one league game all season. Is that you lose the context of how amazing this yeah. season has been. And, you, and again, as mentioned, how far we've come in just in the short term, just in one season from, from last season, is that all we wanted at the start of the season was to be in contention. We'd have all took being six points behind City at this point now. So to be ahead of them, as long as we're in the race, if we make it, if we make it a close run thing, then it'll be, look, if we don't win it from this situation, it's going to be disappointing. But I think it's one of those things where we'd all have a, a, a kip and a, and, a, and a bevy and probably go, OK, we've shown progression. There's a modern affliction that is silverware is the most important yeah. thing. Now, don't get me wrong, eras are defined by silverware and dynasties are, des are, des are defined by silverware. But being a fan, it's about the ride, it's about the journey, it's about the, 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 the stuff along the way. And you, it's, it's more than just that. We need that. That's, for me, silverware is the, the cherry on top of, of, a, of, a, of a dominant Liverpool side, basically. And you just got to trust that ultimately it'll come. But this, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a total bollocks modern notion that all things have to be totally dependent upon silverware. Because like I say, Liverpool could be impeccable for the next three years and that Man City side could pip them to the title because that's how good Man City are. That doesn't mean Liverpool aren't good. It just means that there's other teams just as good. It's like being a heavyweight boxer in the 80s. Yeah, round of applause for that good answer. It's like being a fairly decent heavyweight boxer in the 80s and then finding out there's a fellow called Mike Tyson knocking about, isn't it? But we are, this is the point it is when you, when you think about where we were last year. And how many seasons have we gone through where by now it's been over? It's been over, we're just sort of, we're just sort of going through the motions. We're still very much in the back. Here's a question I'm going to ask, and it's interesting to see if anyone thinks the same thing. Because in some of my earlier podcasts, I was a little bit critical, and wrongly I think now, looking at it. But because we were so dynamic last season, we were so cavalier in the way we played. We scored so many goals, we frightened so many teams. And he stripped that all away, didn't he, this season? The first load of it. And then we realised that he was trying to... Because we wanted gas left in the tank towards the end of the season. Now we're getting to the bare bones of it. How many of you think, and I want to ask this to you three as well, do you think it would be... Is it a strategy of Klopp's, and would it be right for the strategy of Klopp's to now start going, pressing high? Because we did it against Bournemouth and got results and pressing high was what put the fear into other teams should we now be reverting back to the pressing high or have we seen the end of that is it going to be selected games James Pearce I think it'll be selected games I think um, what we've seen with Klopp this season is just a much more pragmatic approach I think he realised that playing the way that Liverpool played last season probably wasn't going to win them the league in terms of it being sustainable in probably two reasons one in terms of energy levels being able to sustain you know, what, what he called heavy metal football for 90 minutes over 38 league games a season and then throwing in Europe and everything else on top of that. Um, so I think, I think that was part of it. And also I think defensively he realised that 
you know, it, it's not sustainable to just go up and keep on. You know, it, it was it made for unbelievable viewing when you think of, you know, some of the games we, we had. You know, you think of the games against Roma, home and away last season. But you want to, I think, to win titles realistically, you've got to play with more control. You've got to play with more maturity, and we've seen that from Liverpool this season. We've seen it from Klopp. Just in a number of games when he's made big substitutions, just to like just to rein it in, rather than I think where Klopp previously would have gone, well, we're two 0 up, we could win this four, or f- even if we win four or five two, that will do us. Now he, I think his mindset is, do you know what? We'll win this two 0 Why why take risks? Why why risk anything? Why you know we can conserve energy for the next game, and I, d- I don't think we'll see him drastically move from that approach during the running because I think. That's the reason why Liverpool are now in a position where they are title contenders. And I think because City are that good, also you can sometimes lose sight of what this Liverpool team has done so far this season. You know, in any other season, really, this Liverpool team would be six, seven, eight points clear. Yeah. You know, it's, it's only because City are that good that it's even, it's even that close at the top. You same, same to you, Paul, as well. Do you think... Do you, would you, I mean, I, I, I just feel like we're at a time in the season now where we haven't got many games left and we could afford to push it a bit yeah. especially when we can't afford I mean the pressure's on isn't it to get results every week yeah I, look, and I think James is right I think and, and you, you're right from what you were alluding to earlier I think we, we're leaving gas in the tank Liverpool's legs have fallen off every single season under Klopp we have literally clawed our way over the finishing line having looked really healthy in the start of the season it was great everyone remembers. the Europa League final the second half absolutely you know and, and, you know, well Kiev to some extent as well you know with injuries and yeah. what have you we felt that the squad fell apart Part. It feels this time, and I was talking about this today actually, that, and look, touch wood, everyone, someone touch wood, you know. Um, it feels for the first time like we're actually getting physically stronger toward the back end of the season. Having that break, we all went a bit, oh, was that a good idea? Because have we lost rhythm, etc.? I don't think we'll see the benefit until the last month of the season, and I think we're going to find it's going gonna, it's gonna to come close, it's going to be tight because that's the way Liverpool do things. Thanks, Liverpool. Um, but when it comes to the final push, I think we'll, we'll have the ability to go flat out. And I think we're going to hit top gear just at the point where maybe maybe City, probably Spurs, almost certainly Spurs, will start to falter and they start to yeah. feel weaker. Naby Keita's coming into form. Oxlade-Chamberlain's going to be back for that stretch of the season. And we're, we, we will have an abundance, hopefully, of talent all in form, all ready to contribute. And, you know, that we, we haven't had that. At all under Jurgen Klopp. You're the same. You're the same. You feel like it's it's more about te- it's more about spreading. Yeah, I think so. I think it also depends on how the team sets up against you as well. I think a lot of the times now when teams come to Anfield, I think Bournemouth was a perfect team for us to play. The other they day. play open football. They, they, don't they? To, they don't compromise. You know, I think Arsenal again. I think Man United will be the same. I think when teams are going to play against us, I think you will see the press, and I think you'll see it. You know, especially now, I think the bits in between the teeth. I, I seriously think the Man United game, all right, we're not at home, but if they come out and try and play us, I just think we are too... Well, they're going to, aren't they? There's yeah. clearly they're going to, because I think you've got, you've got Solskjaer wanting to do that, yeah. uh, and the other fella, didn't he? Parked the bus, didn't he, Benigno? I just think going forwards, I think we're too good for United, but going back to the pressing, I think it depends. I think there's like Newcastle away that we've got coming up. I think, again, these are going to be games where we're going to have a lot of the ball, and they're, they're going to be trying to take it off us, so... I just think, yeah, I think it'll be... I think, yeah, like Paul touched on before, Jürgen knows what he's doing. I think I reckon when, when we need to press, we will do. And you've seen it, that we can win ugly now. We can win in a resilient manner. How frustrating we? was the Chelsea-Man City game? 
I mean, it was no. just, it was just like, if that was a boxing match, they'd have held his purse back, wouldn't he? Because there was, was just nothing there. You're watching it and they're 4-0 down after 18 minutes yeah. and you're thinking, what the f uh, Let's look at some of the ones that have come on Twitter. Uh, this is an interesting question we asked on the, on the podcast as well about uh, Nathaniel Klein. And do you think it was a bit of a foolhardy thing to do at this stage of the season? to let Nathaniel Klein go when we didn't have a recognised right-back to take his place. You can all lie, you look like you want to bite the mic in half. Yeah. Uh, James, you start and then we'll pass it along. Um, Let's take a straw thing. Do you think it was a bad idea? I think it was a good idea? Good idea. So what after the, the, the opinions on both there? What do you think? Well, I think it boils down to the fact that Nathaniel Klein didn't want to be at Liverpool anymore. And I, and I think... The, the bottom line is with Jurgen Klopp it, it never sits easily with him if you don't want to be here then I think his attitude is go I think you even have to look back to the way he handled the Coutinho saga if you think back to that summer when Liverpool kept Coutinho repeatedly Klopp said the owners have said he's staying that was very much an owner generated thing where the owners decided it was too late in the window to be bullied into selling Coutinho we haven't got the time to, to find a proper replacement and I think, I think Klopp, Klopp, his attitude is, you know, he buys in so much to that, that team ethic and spirit and camaraderie that he, you know, like, you know, they're over in Marbella at the moment training. You can guarantee as much as time on the pitch, it'll, for Klopp, it's in terms of what they're doing off the pitch, what, you know, the, the team bonding stuff he does. And I think it just doesn't sit well with him, the idea that if you don't want to be part of this, then, then you can go and... I think what I, the one thing I would say is I was surprised he let him go so early in the window because he, I think he let him go on January the 4th. And I, I don't really understand why he didn't just say to Klein, do you know what, I'm prepared to think about it, but let's just sit tight two, three weeks and see what happens. Because also, let's not forget, when he did let him go, you know, for a start, it was before Trent got injured. Yeah. Trent was the you know, absolutely nailed on number one right back. It was before Milner then got suspended... Um, you know, he had various other injury and illness issues as well. So, yeah, not ideal, the fact you're going for the title and suddenly you've got Jordan Henderson playing right back and then Milner having to fill in as well. But I think you've got to question what Klein's motivation is. You know, why would you, when Liverpool are going for their first Premier League title in 29 years, why would you not want to be there? Why yeah. would you not back yourself to, to have, a, have a part to play? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticise Klopp for letting Klein go. No, Paul... Um, yeah, look, why have we always got to have something, something that is the, the reason why everything's wrong at Liverpool? Like, so what we realised is, it's like, it can't, we can't blame Bouvat's not being there anymore because Pep Linz is doing a good job, we're at the top of the league. So, like, what's the thing that, when it's not going quite right, it's the stupid decision, the thing that's going to make it all fall down? Klein's just the topic of the, the moment. And no, like, I think there was, no, there was relevance to it in the sense that a right-back no, 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 went. No, 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 we sorry, didn't have sorry, one. Neil. We had Milner playing our position and lost I, the midfield. I agree with the sentiment that if, I, if, if, if footballers were up, I was doing this on footy manager, Klein's staying all day because I don't care. I don't have to, I don't have to meet him in the corridor in my, in my, fantasy, in my fantasy football manager world. It, it, you know, so I, I get the human side of it absolutely. And look, this is the reality, as James says. Daniel Clyde's knocked on Jurgen Klopp's door and gone, "All right, Gaffer, I don't fancy winning the Premier League or potentially a Champions League. I quite fancy playing for Bournemouth." And Jurgen's gone, "Fine, yeah, yeah I mean, 
all the best, Nathaniel. Now, I, you know, you're right, it's half his decision, but for me, it's, a, it's one of those issues that it won't be an issue in two weeks' time. No one will be talking about Nathaniel Klein in May. Yeah, it's no, a, yeah, I get, I get that. Yeah, it's very much on vogue of what's going on at the moment, isn't it? I'll ask you this one, Jay. Who's there? Is Phil Bigelow here? Is that Phil? Are you Phil Bigelow? So Phil, uh, Phil's asked one. Given the injury records and the fact that they made a paper mache, good touch, uh, of Lauren, Lovren, Gomez and Matip, do you think Jürgen will look into buying a quality centre-half in the summer? We were talking about that in a sense that Liverpool have revealed you know, uh, the, the, be the best profits in years, or the best profits ever, they're, they're, they're massive profits. This is surely because they've bought good players and they're doing well. So why not bring a cooler Bali over? Why not bring somebody over? Well, Imagine a centre-back like that. Well, funny enough, me and Paul were literally talking about this over there before as we had our dinner, which was absolutely lovely from that uh, American shack over there. It was absolutely gorgeous. But, uh, Did you have a North American scumbag? Yeah, North American scum. It was absolutely lovely. Uh, but we were talking about it, yeah. I think... Now, to clarify, that was the name of the burger. That was the name of the burger, yeah. <laughs> I, I like American people, you know. Um, but, yeah, as I say, I think going on to the centre-half subject, it's evident that now it's somewhere where we need strengthening. I think Lovren's been inconsistent with injuries throughout his time at Liverpool. I actually question whether he actually... You know, I think he's been out an awful long time for a hamstring injury, hasn't he? You know, I think there's, there's other things to it. But with Joe Gomez now playing the way he has done at the start of the season. I think now is the perfect time to bring in maybe a Harry Maguire, maybe a Cooley Barley, and have Joe Gomez. Imagine like the player he could turn into being the understudy of these players. And not only an understudy, he'd be perfect. You could, you could give Van Dijk a rest if you had another centre-half because you could dra draft Gomez in as and when. You know, and I think between three of them we could have it really sorted out there, yeah. I just think that's a good point as well, because God forbid Virgil Van Dijk gets an injury, because yeah. we just—I mean, it's bad enough he's suspended. Exactly. Well, everyone's ruining Bayern Munich now because it looks like it's going to be Fabinho and Matip centre half. So, yeah, I think I personally would have went out in January, but maybe that's because he's already got something lined up, you know, for the start of the summer. That's the way he tends to do business now, isn't it? It's quite quick and early. Talking to players, uh, John Doyle is asking, do you believe Sadio Mane is underrated considering the amount of goals he has scored this season from open play? How good's Mane been, by the way? He's just been outstanding, hasn't he? He stepped up when everyone He's else really has, stepped up. In that yeah. season when, last season when Salah was flying, Mane was sort of a bit out the game, wasn't he? And then he's, yeah. because, because I think Salah has been off the boil, even though he scored 16 goals, he's just not doing it to the level that we're expecting. But Mane has just popped up all the time, and he's been such a thorn in the sides of the, of the opponents, hasn't he? Well, maybe that's why Salah hasn't looked as good as he has last season, because Mane's been terrific. I think his change of pace, for, you know, especially deeper in the pitch when we're more in our own half, the way he keeps the ball close to him by the touchline, and he really does. I think him and Keita linked up well, really well early on in the season, the way we were breaking down the left-hand side. I think he's pivotal to, to how we play. He's, he's energetic. He can, he can beat men in tight situations and if there's space ahead of him as well, he can also eat that up and, you know, go on into the box and create chances. He's, he can score with his left and right foot. I think Mane's been... Well, funny enough, on tour this season, uh, pre-season tour, Robbie Fowler got asked about Mo Salah and Robbie Fowler actually turned around and said, Mo Salah's brilliant. He said, but 
I've been in, I've looked at the players working together and he said, I think there's a lot more to come from Sadio Mane. And if anyone knows anything about attacking football, it's going to be Robbie Fowler, isn't it? So the fact that he said that early on in the season, I think he's, he's been proven right. I think his touch is astounding, isn't it? He's just, I mean, I think that's what people forget about Sadio Mane as well, as his goals are brilliant, but his touch is, he's, and his strength as well, he's very hard to get off the ball. Yeah, and also Liverpool haven't got, really got anyone else who can play on that left-hand side of the front three. You know, he, he's pretty much irreplaceable in terms of the job he does there and you know, links up brilliantly with Robertson. Um, yeah, he's had, a, he's had a fantastic season, as you touched upon. Even, even during Liverpool's wobble in January, that would have been a lot more costly you know, without Sadio Mane and his goals and his contribution in, in, the, in the, you know, the last kind of five or six games. And... I think you, you look at how much he's raised the bar in terms of... He, he won Player of the Year for Liverpool, didn't he, in his first season here? Yeah. And he scored 13 goals. Well, he scored 13 goals already this season. And he doesn't really get talked about, does no. he? Because we talk about Mo Salah and, and Virgil van Dijk and all the rest of it. But, yeah, he's... You know, he, getting him signed down to that new contract a few months ago was was absolutely massive because you know there were some you know top clubs around Europe yeah, anyone, Real Madrid were any, very keen yeah anyone anyone would want Sadio Mane because he, he is at that level I think that's important as well and it's not just having the players it's keeping them in it yeah. it's all right having these players in your team but we don't want to be one of these clubs like we were last seasons recent seasons where Barca just come knocking on the door and take you big players that's all part of the building process of this club isn't it? and making the club the players want to stay at yeah, absolutely, and that's been the difference for Liverpool for, for too long. Look at the back end of last season, and you knew we were going to get into the summer, and the transfer rumour mill was going to go into overdrive, and uh, James Pierce's mentions were going to go crazy, and it was <laughs> going to be Real Madrid, Salah, and all this kind of stuff. But you know, there was a, a, a situation there where Mo Salah, you know, his top goal scorer, he was getting into the Champions League final, he was on the nominee list for for, for Player of the Year for World for World Football of the Year. What more? What more can a footballer ask for? And if you're paying them good wages as well, then there's no reason to leave Liverpool. And for too long, Liverpool has been a stepping stone. It's been, I'll go and do a couple of good years at Liverpool and that'll get me removed to Barcelona or, or Real Madrid. Well, as I say, what are you going to win at Real Madrid? You know, OK, you can win a different division, but that's it. That, that's, that's literally all it is. At that point, Liverpool have got the history, they've got all the, all the culture around it as well. And, you know, if you can, if you can fulfil all of your ambitions as a player then yeah, we're going to have some brilliant players and we're going to have them for a long time. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask one more question off this and then because there's so many there, I'll just jump down and anyone's got any questions that I haven't handled here, we'll ask half a dozen or so, just come over and you can ask them yourself. I'll bring the mic over to you and ask the panel there of you. But here's an interesting question that I'm going to ask all three. And it's hard to answer, but then, you know, I think you'll find different fans that have different answers. Who will be the key player if Liverpool are to win the Premier League? I think it's, it's a really interesting question. I, I, I think, personally, I, I, I'm not going to go key player. I'm going to sort of branch off and go key players. And I think that's Virgil van Dijk and Alison Becker. I think, in the past, we've always had the likes of your Mo Salas and Luis Suarez. We've always had, I don't know, your midfield. We've had Steven Gerrard for years. We've had a lot of players who've been great going forward. And, you know, Jamie Carragher was probably the last Carragher in APA. But, you know, I think this time we've got a goalkeeper when we signed Alison Becker what a goalkeeper like him he does he doesn't only save you 20 points a season he gains you 10 points you know the saves and his distribution it's frightening I think when Van Dijk and Alison Becker are on the pitch and they've had a couple of games playing together I just think it's that is the reassurance that gives the players so much more, especially the midfield, so much more freedom confidence and confidence. You're not worrying about the two players behind you who've got the, you know, 
that, that you know, we can let it run through the legs or, you know, all right, Allison's a little bit too calm for comfort sometimes <laughs> on the ball, but, you know, overall, he's been absolutely... Cleared the ball while he's texting, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, that chip in the one of the first home games where he just chipped it over his head and you think... <laughs> yeah, that was ridiculous, you know, wasn't it? That's what we've got, that's what we're dealing with now at Liverpool, you know, and I think that is, that is going to be the penultimate difference if we do win the title. Paul Machin, do you reckon? Yeah, no, I have, to, I have to agree. We all watched the League Cup game against Chelsea and we saw the back five we put out there and it was like, Jesus Christ, this is what we've had. And this is what we thought this was, we thought was quite good at the time. Oh, Mignolet is coming back into a bit of form. Nah, mate. Nah. Um, no, I, if I had to pick one, though, I mean, the fact that we're in a conversation that most of us would probably say Virgil van Dijk should be, should be player of the season, not just Liverpool player of the season, but Premier League, you know, PFA or whatever, for a centre-half. In a world where you know goal scorers are the ones who draw all the plaudits, they're the ones who have all the social media accounts named after them and all that kind of stuff. Virgil van Dijk is absolutely something else. We we, we talk about him every podcast. I mean, uh, the stat I gave out in the last podcast, an actual stat, is that Virgil van Dijk hasn't been dribbled past, hasn't been dribbled past in the league or Champions League all season. It's he hasn't good. been dribbled past. It's an extraordinary stat this far in the season that no one's actually dribbled past him. He's a, he's a, he's a colossus. James. He's an Adonis of a footballer, isn't he? He's, he's, a, he's a Rolls Royce, isn't he? Everything about him is extraordinary. Who do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you'd, you'd have to go Van Dyke in terms of what player could Liverpool you know, most ill afford to lose and where would they really feel that absence more than anything? It would, it would have to be him because you know, when, when he turned up at Liverpool, I, I felt for him because I thought, how can he possibly live up to the expectation levels we all had for him because we'd had to wait for six months. He was the most expensive defender in world football. He'd missed almost a year of football as well with quite a serious injury at Southampton. And you just think, you know, that's, that's a big ask to try and live up to all that. But the, the biggest compliment you could say him is, is say to him is, no one really even mentions the fee these days, does it? No. Because you know, it's only 12 months ago. Yet, you know, he's already proven that he's every inch that kind of calibre of player. Um, oh, he's just an absolute class act. And what I love is he's embraced everything, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch with Liverpool. You know, he's a massive leader in the dressing room. Um, you know, I know him and his wife are, are doing loads of charity stuff in terms of him getting involved with Older Hay and, um, and the Owen McVeigh Foundation. Like, he's, he's, just, he's just an absolute class act. And, yeah, Liverpool are very, very lucky to have him. And talking about Alison Becker, we all went, I mean, that's an expensive goalkeeper. Chelsea played more. For the goalkeeper that just lets six goals in. Yeah. How would we feel as fans paying that amount of money for a goalie who lets six goals in? All right, listen, I'm going to... Is anyone here want Because uh, I can't get through all them, because we're getting on. We've got to announce the uh, winner of the quiz and that. So I'll come down. Oh, but that's I. Hey. Hey. Get out of luck. The things I do for you guys. Come down and ask a little question. What is your name? You're gonna, do you want one? Do you want to ask yeah. a question? I'll be back. Go on, my friend. My name's Stephen. I'd like to ask the panel, start with James, on a scale of one to ten... What do you consider Liverpool's chances of winning the Liga, with one being poor and ten being good? <laughs> one to ten, the chances of Liverpool winning the league. What's your sliding scale? Uh, I'm, a seven. I'm a seven. I think... Um, I, I fancy them. I, I certainly... I don't think it's absolutely nailed on because City are that good. The margin for error is, is so little, I think. We were talking earlier about points totals. I think City can get 98 points, can't they? And obviously they've got the, the superior goal difference at the moment. So, you know, I, I'd expect them maybe to drop three or four. So you'd expect Liverpool to be able to, you know, to, to have a couple of little slip-ups. But um, 
I, th- I, think, I think that United away game is absolutely massive. I think if Liverpool go to Old Trafford and win, I think they win the league. Um, I think if they lose, then I, 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 I fear for us in terms of just how damaging it, that, that defeat will be in the context of the season. That, you know, that, that is a huge week coming up next week, Bayern and then United. Are you saying he's saying a seven, but you're leaning towards eight there? So we're seven and a half. Seven and a half. Paul, quickly. James is avoiding the headlines there. Liverpool echo journalist says title is nailed on. <laughs> Sport Bible. Um, no, no, he's just replaced it with Liverpool echo journalist reckons we might not win. <laughs> it's even no, worse. Hey, listen, pre-season I said they, I felt this was the time for us to win the league, and I put I, I checked me my bet victory account the other day in terms of I had us to be top at Christmas. Totally forgot I did that. I had us, I also had us on to win the country because it was two and a half thousand to one uh, never mind um, no I thought this was it and, and but I also said I just wanted us to be in touching distance we're not in touching distance it's in our hands yeah. it's in our hands so 10 out of 10 why not yeah. yeah. 10 he's gone for the 10 yeah I agree with the go on with Paul you know I think if you look at this 12 games left and it's however many games we've played if, if the, what's gone before is anything to go by I'm going to have to go for 10 as well you know I'm there every week what's the What's yours, my mate? song, so yeah, ten. I was waiting for yours first, Neil, before I committed. Mine's ten, kid. Yes, Neil. Just to make James Pierce look even worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get what Pierce is trying to say, though. No, he's not a scouser, so I'm disappointed there. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that scouser. I agree with that scouser. I agree with that scouser. And I'm a scouser. <laughs> thank, thank you, Steve from Bebbington. Uh, <laughs> What's your question? Uh, do you think there's far too much expected from new signs straight away once the step through the door at Anfield? Can you say that again? So are you saying that do you think there's, there are too much expectations on new players to go straight into the side when they come through, you know what I mean, rather than nurturing them through? Is there too much expectation yeah. on, for instance, Naby Keita or somebody you talk like that? Yeah, I think so. I, I think every... It depends where they're coming from, though. I think if you're coming from a foreign league for big money and you're a young lad, it's always going to take them you know four or five months you even you know, like we say we, even coming from another team that plays a different way of football like Chamberlain come from a very slow progressive type of football fast passing but nowhere near the demands that it takes to play for Liverpool took him four months look at Fabinho now looked look lost didn't he when he played earlier on in the season now I think he's one of the first names on the sheet every week for me so I think you've got to give them that four or five months leeway I think Naby Keita was a little bit different because everyone was talking about him that he was going to slot straight in. So I think he had that little bit more expectation. But I think you've got to give them four or five months and then you talk about them. I always remember as well, without dropping clank, dropping names, I always remember, um, I've forgotten his name now, uh, an ex-Liverpool player, I'll think of his name in a minute, uh, Ray Alton, once said, you don't understand what it's like as a football player to walk through the doors at Anfield because you see it, you, you know that you're in a giant club. He said, and once you play for Liverpool, whatever play club you play for afterwards, you only ever felt like you played for Liverpool. And he, he said, you walk in, the expectation's huge because you've got the history, the history's massive. And I think that's something that we take for granted sometimes in this. Because you forget that these players are 19, 20, 21 years of age. They're walking into a club like Liverpool and then they're expected to run out on the pitch and give it from the way it go. And it can be a difficult thing, can't it? Steven Gerrard lifted the European Cup a year older than me. You know what I mean? I still feel like a kid, you know, in, in my own head. So that's the sort of pressure that they're dealing with, you know what I mean? It's, you, you've got to give everyone time. Anyone else with a question? Go on, sir. Hang on. 
I reckon a lot of our players are very underrated. Like, for instance, Wijnaldum, the goal he scored on Saturday. Who do you reckon our most underrated player is? Ooh, that's, uh, to be honest, it's weird, because I think Genie Wijnaldum kind of does get recognised, but I think from the outside world, he's one of them players who you speak to, speak to fans of other clubs, and they're like, oh, Wijnaldum, and you're like, no, seriously, Genie yeah, Wijnaldum. Have you seen Genie Wijnaldum's ass? It's the best. <laughs> he is the best at shielding the ball since Colo Torre. Like, um, no, he, um, he's phenomenal. Genie Wijnaldum, I agree. He's one of those players, isn't he? I think he needs a couple more goals, but he, he, he is he is absolutely... To some extent, Mane, everyone goes on about Firmino, everyone goes on about Salah, but again, look at Sadio Mane, he's goal return this season, fantastic. And James Milner. And not that he's underrated, but just the job he does, yeah. it's just extraordinary, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. OK, question, boys? Has our Champions League ambition gone under the radar this season? Definitely. 100%. Well, and, and as a caveat to that, would you ditch the Champions League to win the league? No. We're Liverpool Football Sorry, Club, mate. let's not forget. What have we done in the past? We used to, you know, when it was everything, it was like we were talking before, it was almost a norm to be in a cup final as a Liverpool fan when, you know, when, even when I was a kid, so no, we can go for it as much as we want, you know what I mean? Why, why have we got to submit one to do the other? It takes a lot to do it, but I think we've got the manager, the team, the fans. We've got everything, haven't we? So no, why stop? Good answer. Any more? Should we take two more questions and then we'll announce the winner of the quiz, £150. There uh, we go, right by him. Here we go, my friend. Yes. Nice beer. <laughs> Cheers. So we, we've talked about um, Van Dijk and Becker laying the foundations for this season, how good they are. But would you think someone like Fabinho is possibly the type of guy who actually kicks us on for these next 12 games with the way he's hit form, the positive passes and moving the team up the pitch? Yeah, good question that. Because he has now come on and his form is outstanding, isn't it, James? Yeah, he's, he's stepped up massively, hasn't he? I think if you go back to Christmas time, I remember thinking then that what was probably going to decide the title race was those players on the fringes who we hadn't seen much of, would they be able to step up and deliver in the second half of the season? You'd have Fabino in there, you'd have Cater in there. You know, to a lesser extent, you'd have Lalana and Sturridge and Origi and people like that because the squad was always going to be needed. People are going to have to step in at different times and produce. And certainly in the second half of the season so far, Fabino has absolutely epitomised that. You know, as Jamie said, he suddenly is now one of the first names on the team sheet. And, you know, just so important in terms of his versatility as well. We're talking about he could well be playing centre-half against Bayern Munich next he week. He plays right back for Brazil, doesn't he? he exactly. And I mean, he's, um, you know, I think he did really struggle initially. You know, I think he struggled with the pace of English football. You think back to Arsenal away, which was like his first big real test after he got, kind of got into the team and he had a bit of a torrid night that night. But, um, yeah, the coaching staff have been so impressed by kind of how he's taken on board what's been asked of him. You know, he's a really intelligent footballer he's adjusted to everything that they've asked from him um and he, he's, he's he's much better with the ball as well than i thought you know i thought i thought he'd give liverpool a physical edge and he'd be combative and and get in people's faces and win tackles which we've seen him do but he also you know he's really really good in possession in terms you think of some of his assists he's laid on you think about the one for you know for Mane against united you know that was like absolutely top draw and he, he you know he, he's 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 really really come good and you know, that's why we talk about Cater on Saturday. Hopefully, that's the start of him following the same path because 
that will just give Liverpool another dimension in this title race? Well, yeah, I mean, look, we spent £100 million on, on midfielders in the, in the summer, and they've, they're only just now starting to bed in. So we're in the, we are top of the league, there or thereabouts. We're going into the final fair long of the season. And the, the lads that we bought to improve our midfield are only just now starting to really show how good they are. 13-14, we were bringing in Luis Alberto, um, Iago Aspas and Victor Moses into the team at this part of the season. And now we're bringing in Brazilian internationals and, 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 and £50 million midfielders. So, yeah. Seems like a good time be. to kick them on, doesn't it? Go Absolutely. on, my friend. Just a quick one. Say if um, Van Dijk or someone got injured... Would you keep Lovren and Matip or would you get a new signing next season? Uh, did we touch on that before? I think we did need we, to get, uh, we need to strengthen there, don't we, Defo? Yeah, yeah. No, no, we had, we, we, we mentioned it before. We were just saying about Akula Bali or someone like that and pushing on and, and, and getting, getting stronger players. Uh, at the end of the season, I'm a bit terrified because I'm from Yorkshire. This lad <laughs> behind me is going to kick my head in. We better stick together. My mum is a scouser, so I hope that counts. Yeah, um, when we lift the Premier League at the end of the season, <laughs> will, will the hatred towards Jordan Henderson from some fans go away? Because as someone who goes to Anfield most weekends, I see him being critical to the team, and I think he's an all-round good captain. You look at that season where we nearly went with Rodgers, I think when he went out the team, everyone will agree he was missed. City he, was a young, he was a young lad then, you know. All right, he doesn't... He doesn't do as many obvious things as like the Liverpool captains in the past. He's not a direct Steven Gerrard or a Graham Sooners type player. He has his own way. And let's not forget, he's probably being told to play this way by the manager at the end of the day. The players don't go on the pitch and go, right, well, I'm doing what I want. You know what I mean? I think he's there to do a job. And I think some, uh, all right, I think sometimes when he comes in for the big games, when you look at Rome, you look at City last year, he was absolutely fun. He was a captain. It was a captain's performance. Them two games at Anfield, he nearly was. So... I just think I think when people get something in their heads about players, so you know, football fans are really fickle people, aren't they? It, it can take something like lifting the lifting the league top trophy to make them turn their heads around. But no, I agree. I think sometimes he doesn't help himself with certain ways. But overall, I think he's been great. I, I like Jordan Henderson. I think the the, the, the polarisation on him, I think, is mad because at his at very worst, he's just fine, isn't he? He's not. He's not. He's not the. He's, I think people forget how some of the horrendous footballers we've had at this football Wilson. club. Genuinely, remember Jean Michel Ferry? What even was he? You know what I mean? And, you know, and people go, "No, oh, he's the worst. He's the worst." No, he's not. He's fine. He's absolutely. He's between fine and very, very good. And I think all the things he does off the pitch, the, the, for the team harmony, for, for representing the football club, I think is magnificent. And he's a bloody good footballer as well. Go back and watch highlights of any good Liverpool performance with 13-14. Ten minute highlights on LFC TV, and his fingerprints are all over them because he was essential. And I think it would only be fitting for him to lift the trophy and just turn around and just. You know, to all the naysayers and the two merchants. I think, I think you only have to look at the managers who have worked with him. They all pick him, don't they? So they, they, this, this section of fans who think he's cheating the living, and I, I, wrote, I wrote a column on him last week, and the first reply on Twitter was, he's a championship player. And it's like, well, just let, he was signed by Kenny Dogleash. So, so does Kenny Dogleash not know, know what he's doing to, to spend, what was it, 16 million quid on a young midfielder like him? Then... Brendan Rodgers worked with him and gave him the captaincy after Steven Gerrard. We're talking about what well, he became captain in the summer of 2015, so it's not, not far off four years on, and he's still Liverpool captain. And he, you know, he, I think he's on the verge of, what, 300 Premier League appearances. 
There's, there's a re you don't survive at the highest level for that long by just being a nice fella and uh, you know you'll have to tell him to, you know to get to get lost because I, I can't bring myself to say he, he's an absolutely top draw midfielder and what hurts him I think in a lot of you know some people don't see what he does for the team because he's not a, you know he doesn't score fantastic goals or beat two or three players and, and create a chance some people don't appreciate the, the job he does but. Yeah, you, you look at the England managers and the Liverpool managers that have backed him to the hill. There's a good reason for that. And he is, that's why, I'd, you know, probably I'd be happiest for him more than anyone else in that squad if Liverpool go on and win the title this season. Because I think, I think also what hurts Jordan Henderson in terms of his Liverpool career when you think he's been at the club not far off eight years is the fact Liverpool have had so little success. So I think that's kind of pinned on him as well, the fact that there's been all these near misses and he's been part of... It's like a, he's like a nearly man that's not quite, not quite got there, not quite made it over the line. And if Liverpool were to do that this season with Henderson and him getting his hands on that trophy, you know, that'll, uh, that'll do me. I agree. I agree. And he's got to stop smashing the ball 40 yards over the bar from three yards out, though. Yes. One more, and then we're going to go for the quiz because we'd obviously would have, would have, would have the time. I, I apologise, we haven't got for most of the questions, but as you can see, it'll take all night. Just a bit question here, a bit later on. You talk about Jürgen coming back and bringing the spirit back into Liverpool. Is that a thing that's been missing over a good few years? I mean, I'm a bit of an ass me, so I remember going to booze with the players and, and stuff like that. And do you think Jürgen has brought the fans back into Liverpool Football Club? Because for a long time... We were, we were nine, like, we, we weren't part of it, were we? Yeah, no, we're you know, He comes in and he gives it all that on the pitch and he, he, he really involves us. But probably for the, I, I don't know, there's some our fellas in here like me, like, and uh, do, do you think that, that's, that's a strength that he's brought back to the club? Yeah. He's brought the community back into yeah. it, he's brought the fans back into the club. Without a doubt, you know, you look at. You look at like what Bill Shankly was, you know, the idea of this Liverpool manager, this manager who says, you know, Liverpool, we're a team, we all work for each other, we follow the roots of where the people who work in the city come from and everything else. The Jürgen Klopp stems from that, the way we play, the, the team all seems to work for each other, you know, there seems to be a great team spirit within the team. Then you look at the things that Liverpool are now doing in the community, you look at what Liverpool Football Club have done for me in the last year, they've brought a local lads along, they've... They've, big, they've took me all over the world. They've, they've allowed me to showcase my talents all over the world. They could have quite easily got, went and got a, an established singer to, to, you know, to come out here and to, to do a lot of things that I've done. And it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it stems. I think everything that's going well at Liverpool now in terms of the fans, in terms of the players, the team spirit, I think it all comes from Jürgen Klopp. Because, you know, I think we were all excited when he, when he came because we'd seen his interaction with the fans at Dortmund. And I think we were all rubbing our hands, thinking, yeah, I can't wait for him to, you know, come and salute the cop and everything. Without a doubt, Jürgen Klopp has been the best thing that's happened to the Pool Football Club in the last 10 years. You know, the pro I think the problem, I think we probably all recognised it in ourselves as scouts, is sometimes we're maybe a bit too cool to clap. You see yeah. it like gigs and all that. We don't like we don't like people coming in and telling us how to be. Don't like come in and you've got to be able to this wave this flag, sing this song, be like that. Jürgen Klopp's made it 
made it acceptable to just be a bit of a lunatic again. You know what I mean? To go to the game and show your emotion and, and scream and get passionate about things. And, and I think that relates to, relates to everyone. And like, to, with the greatest respect to Brendan Rodgers, because he was a tough fella and I you know, never had a, a real problem with Brendan. I don't think he... I think people always said he was kind of going through the motions like he was. He said all the right yeah, things. Yeah, thought, exactly. Yeah. But some people, some people thought it was an act with him, whereas no one thinks that with Jürgen. And he, as I say, I think he appeals to absolutely everyone. He, you know, he's, he's absolutely mad. He loves it. He loves football. He's got that... I always said the thing about being, just being scouts was the mentality is you look adversity square in the eye. You scream, you'll never walk alone down a tear till it gives up, and then you take it for a bevy afterwards. And that was, and that's that Jürgen Klopp for me totally, totally, you know, embodies all of that. And um, so, yeah, you know, he is, he's made it acceptable for us to love our football. And he really annoys all the other managers as well, which is a little, little extra in it. He gets on their nerves, doesn't he? But in a way that we want him to, you know what I mean? Final question of the evening, and then we'll go to this last one, mate. Nice one. Um, James and Oria, oh, um, whether we win it or not, how long do you see Jurgen being in charge of the Reds? That's a good question. That's a good question, yeah. Good well, question. His, his contract runs till 2022. He was actually asked, actually, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were doing an interview with him, and it, it was on the back of, obviously, I think it was under, on, out on the back of Robertson signing his new long-term contract, and he, he, was, he was kind of said, it was said to him, well, all your key personnel now in this team are almost under contract till, like, 2024. Well, you're only here till 2022, so what about you? What about your contract? And he, he didn't want to talk about it. He just said, no, 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 this is completely the wrong time. I'm com- you know, I, I don't want that to even be an issue at the moment. I'm, I'm completely happy, focused what I'm doing. Um, I don't know. My, my suspicion would be that if, if Liverpool go on and win something big this season, then I think he will sign another extension. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see him being here for another, like, 10 years. Or I think he, he's gone on record a few times as saying that he wanted to be retired by the age of 60. And that, and that I think he knows that he's one of those managers who just pours his absolute heart and soul into it. And, he, and I think he thinks in terms of probably health more than anything else that, that by the age of 60, you know, that'll be what I'll be done. And I think, what is he now, 51, I think he is? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's still got a huge amount to offer. I think eventually he'll probably go on and manage the German national team. I think that would be probably the, a, a natural progression for him. But, um, yeah, my, I, I, think, I think he'll... My, I reckon he'll be around for another five years at Liverpool, I reckon. That would be my guess. I was talking to Peter Newton for there. Long may that continue. I was talking to Peter Newton before and he's nipped out, but uh, he was saying that he does seven years in his last... He did seven years in his first club, seven years at Dortmund. Seven years at Mainz, seven, seven years at Dortmund, yeah. And so that's usually his... his, 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 his three and a half to four and now three and a half, so... I, I think he said as well, didn't he? He said, you don't have to be an old manager in this day to get paid that much money. I think, he, you know, like James said, he wants to enjoy his life a little bit, doesn't he? So he wants to enjoy his hard work. So I just think he'll be... He'll have done what he's needed to do by the time he leaves Liverpool. I'm confident of that, like, so... Knock Man United back off our perch. Yeah, and then he can do whatever he wants. All right, folks, we're going to leave it there because we've got a lot to get through here. And Jamie's going to do a little stuff as well. But can you please give a round of applause to our three guests this evening? James Pearce, Paul Machen, Jamie Webster. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, boys. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.